Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. And I got to tell y'all, I got to say that, that I, I have really loved and at the same time, I have been, I've been deeply challenged by this, this 24-6 series that, that we've been in because, because more than I, I ever imagined, this whole Sabbath thing, it's, it's a real struggle. And it's a struggle not, not just for me, but from the emails and the conversations that I had. It is a struggle. Sabbath is a struggle for so many of us. Those of us who are struggling to, to tune out from everything that's immediate and, and to turn into that which is imperative. And maybe just as hard for us is, is learning to, to tell the difference between those two. Because remember what we've been saying, that, uh, that Sabbath, that, that resting, that us being a, a 24-6 sort of people in a 24-7 sort of world, that doesn't mean that's not us doing nothing. In fact, it's us actually doing something, something that is actually extraordinarily hard. It's us making room, it's us making space, it's us creating time for, for God to work, for, for God to work on us. It is us resting and it's us remembering. In fact, did y'all know that the Ten Commandments are in two places? They're recorded in two places in the Bible. The Ten Commandments are found in the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus. That's probably the list of the commandments that most of us grew up memorizing in, in VBS or in Sunday school. That's the list that most of us think that Charlton Heston brought down off of Sinai. Um, that's the list in Exodus chapter 20. But the Ten Commandments are also recorded for us in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Now both lists are identical. Both lists are exactly the same, except for one. Except for one of the commandments. One of the commandments is different, actually. This commandment, the fourth commandment, the commandment about Sabbath. You see, in Exodus, Exodus tells us, Exodus commands us to rest because God rested in creation. But in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy tells us to rest so that we might remember, rest. And remember, Deuteronomy says, remember, Israelites, remember, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Stop and, and take some time and remember. Remember the hardship. And remember the pain. But also, also remember how God showed up. Remember God's goodness. Remember his power and his presence. Remember God's good provision. And and today, even now, Sabbath invites us to do the same. Sabbath asks us to do the same, to rest and to remember, even whenever it hurts, especially in those painful seasons, especially in those, those hard seasons, in those moments, in those times when we don't think that we have the time to spare. Rest and remember. Um, I was 19 years old whenever I went into ministry. And, and every fall, the little Methodist church that I served outside of, of Waco, every fall they had an All Saints 
service. It was a service whenever the whole church would come together at one of the traditional Sunday morning worship times. We would all come together and we would remember the lives of our loved ones, of all of our loved ones who had passed away the year before. And so this service, as, as you'd expect, it was solemn. It was a somber service. The, uh, the senior pastor would get into the pulpit and he would read through all of the names. And as each name was read, the organist would toll a bell on the organ and the associate pastor would, would light a candle on the altar. Um, I was, I was the, the youth pastor on staff, so I didn't have to do anything. I just sat there and I watched. But, but, but that very first year as I, I watched, I, I noticed that the associate pastor, the associate pastor must have forgotten. He must have forgotten one of the most practical lessons that they ever teach you in seminary. Because the, the altar, the altar was filled up. It was splayed with, with all of these candles. There was one candle for every name to be read. There had to have been 25, 30 candles on there. And, and in, in seminary, they teach us that whenever you're lighting candles like that, you always start with the back row first. You start with the back and then you work your way to the front. But like I said, the associate pastor must've been having an off day. He must've forgotten because he started with the front and he worked his way back. And as we got to about the midway point of that list, I guess the arm, the draping arm of his robe brushed against one of those little flames and whoosh, his entire arm caught on fire. Um, now the, the 820 service was very concerned because I failed to tell them he was okay. He like petted it out real quick with, with, with his hand. But I mean, it kind of ruined the whole somberness of that moment. But um, he, that guy, he, that pastor knew what to do. He simply forgot how to do it. And how often is that us? We know what to do, we know what we're supposed to do, but how often do we forget to do it? And how many hopes, how many dreams, how many plans have gone up in flames because of it? But we're gonna see something really special this morning. We're gonna see something really beautiful this morning, an invitation in our scripture this morning. And so if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up. We're gonna be in the book of 1 Corinthians this morning. So open up your Bibles if you have them. Maybe you have a Bible app on a cell phone with you this morning. Go ahead and turn it on. Again, we're going to be in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, looking this morning at the first 10 verses. Uh, so friends, hear now the word of the Lord. It's the Apostle Paul writing and he says, Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaimed to you, which in turn you received and which you also stand through which also you are being saved. If, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you've come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance, what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's the apostle Peter. They appeared to Cephas and then to the 12 and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of whom are still alive though, though some have died. Then he appeared to James. Then he appeared to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I'm the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though, though it wasn't me, it was not I 
but it was the grace of God that's in me. It's remarkable to me, this passage. It is absolutely remarkable to me that that the apostle Paul here, Paul who had spent nearly two years with the Corinthians, it's remarkable to me that Paul felt it necessary to remind them of the, of the central message, that he felt it necessary to remind them of the heart of the Christian message. The life, death, and resurrection of our God. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. See, he wanted to make sure. He needed to make sure that they hadn't forgotten. He needed to make sure that they remembered that in the crush and the rush of, of everyday life, they hadn't come to believe in vain. To him, this was of first importance. And, and friends, it is to us too. And so remember, he says, remember, remember the gospel, remember the good news. Remember the, the good news of, of God's grace, the, the very same grace that he, Paul, had experienced firsthand on the road to Damascus, the very same grace that they, the Corinthians, had experienced firsthand in their own salvation, in their own conversion, in their own journey from blindness to sight. Remember, he says. Look back and, and remember. Look back and remember all those people that Jesus appeared to and then Look back and remember who you used to be too. And see, see how far you've come. See, remember how far God has brought you because I am what I am, Paul says. And, and I've done what I've done. There's, there's no escaping that. But by God's grace, I'm different. I'm, I'm forgiven. I am redeemed. And in Christ, you are too, so don't forget, because you know what to do. You know who to be. You just got to remember to do it. You just got to remember to be it, so rest. And remember, and let that, that hard and holy work, let it recalibrate your lives. So thank you for that, for really bringing Sabbath alive to us. And as Todd shared in the scriptures, there's two things that always needs to happen on Sabbath. And one is we rest, and the other is we remember. And we kind of get the rest part, and we tend to focus on that. But resting without remembering will never fully get what Sabbath is all about. I remember, this is about 18 years ago, I was teaching Bible study to seniors in high school. And we were going over the Ten Commandments, and we came to the Fourth Commandment about Sabbath. And I shared a little bit of the teaching uh, that Todd just did, and there was a young man there, very interested. So he raised his hand, and he asked me a question. So he said, you mean to tell me that Sabbath is a day that I don't have to do any work, and Sabbath is a day I get to do whatever I want? And his face just lit up, and he said, every day is Sabbath for me. <laughs> And I chuckled and I thought, you know, he got the first half of the equation. He got the, the rest of the self-care part down really well. It's the remembering that he needed to understand. The remembering that we need to understand. Remember what God has done. Remember what God is doing. And when we remember how God has called us to live, we align our lives with what God has taught us. 
And the word we do is then we recalibrate. And I love recalibrate. It's not just to fix the instrument panels on our car when they get out of whack. Recalibrate means to change the way we do or think about something. Sabbath ought to cause us to do that, to stop and to think and to change how we do things and what we think about things. And I got a picture of recalibrating on Wednesday, a picture that I really did not want to have. Wednesday afternoon, it had been a very busy day of meetings and going over schedules, and I was kind of in a serious place, kind of an uptight kind of place. I was just carrying a lot of burdens on, then all of a sudden, about 4.15 in the afternoon, the fire alarm went off. And so we, could, we knew people were leaving and we wondered what was going on and we were wrapping our meeting up and then all of a sudden it sounded like the, the heater was on overdrive, like this kind of loud sound. And then was it the heater? Was it rushing water? And then all of a sudden my office started flooding. A pipe as things were thawing out after the freeze in the attic above my office came apart and let me show you what happened Wednesday afternoon. <clears throat> No, it's remember. Oh, remember! Hey, can you reach up there and, oh, he's taking pictures! Can you reach up there and I'm doing video. Yes. Yeah. And did we get Chandler? Okay, well, I will tell you, I recalibrated my day. <laughs> what I was thinking and what I was doing was very different, but that's what Sabbath is supposed to do to us. Not burst a pipe and flood our houses, but I love something that Todd said last week about Sabbath that's so important. The Sabbath should be a disruption to us. It should disrupt our normal routines and the things that we do and give us a space that we remember what God has done in the past, what God is doing, and then we compare our lives to the way that God has called us to live, and we recalibrate. We change how we think and what we do. So I want us to think about that word recalibrate, and I want to dive into our passage because there are three things that I think Paul lifts up for us that we need to do that happen when we Sabbath well, when we will rest and we will remember, we will recalibrate by working harder. And that's what verse 10 says. He says, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Notice what he's, he's not working harder, trying to earn his salvation. It's not about trying to do good deeds. He's working harder at being aware of grace that saved him. We don't need to take grace and God's love and mercy for granted. We need to work harder at being aware of grace all around us in the world. Remember the story I love as an elementary school class and the teacher had a wonderful exercise for them. She wanted her students to think of the seven day wonders of the seven wonders of the world in present day terms. So the children were having a great discussion about that and a little bit of disagreement, but pretty quickly they had a consensus. These were the seven wonders of the world in present day terms. This was their list. They said, well, one of them is the great pyramids of Egypt, then the Taj Mahal, then the Grand Canyon, then the Panama Canal, then the Empire State Building, 
St. Peter's Basilica, the Great Wall of China, a really good list. And as the teacher were collecting up the papers to see the students' votes, there was one young lady who just was kind of hesitant, was worried, didn't pass her paper in. And the teacher turned to her and said, well, you're having trouble with this? And she said, yes, ma'am, I am. There's just so many things to think about. I I can't decide on my list. And the teacher said, well, why don't you share with us your list and we'll help you with it. The little girl was really shy, really timid, and she was uncomfortable doing that, but she agreed and she stood up and she started reading her list so far. This is what she had written. The seven wonders of the world today, to be able to see, to be able to hear, to be able to touch, to be able to feel, to be able to taste, to be able to laugh, to be able to love. And when she shared her list, there was complete silence in the room. You could have heard a pin drop. Isn't it amazing how often we forget the greatest gifts that God gives to us. We get focused on the material world and all of those possessions and all of those things that bother us, and we forget to focus on God's grace and God's love, which is why we need Sabbath. Sabbath is a time to remember. Sabbath is a time to recalibrate our lives so that we work harder at being aware of God's grace and living into God's grace. First thing Paul teaches us. Second thing he teaches us, we need to recalibrate our lives by living better. Y'all know I'm a student of the American presidency and I'm always fascinated when the election cycle comes up and I watch with great interest. And last week I was really puzzled by one of the persons who had voted was sharing and they identified themselves as an evangelical Christian. So the reporter was curious, what did that mean to this person? Uh, They certainly had very strong political beliefs on issues of the day, but they were talking about what did evangelical mean to them? And this gentleman basically said, well, I don't go to church and I don't really go to worship. And as they talked, didn't know much at all about Jesus. Evangelical to him was a set of core political beliefs not tied into the historic meaning of evangelical. Remember what the historic meaning of an evangelical Christian is? That someone that's experienced Christ in a personal way, they've been born again into a relationship. Evangelical Christians are the most committed, devoted to the ministry of the church. And what does Paul say to us? Don't forget that. What does he say in verse 2? Hold firmly to the message that I have proclaimed to you. Hold firmly to the values and the spirit of Jesus that you have learned. Hold firmly to the truth that you and I are Jesus' representatives in the world. We need to live better and point people to Jesus. I was thinking back, a former pastor of mine wrote a newsletter column that just stuck with me and troubled me. And he was talking about how Christians live today versus living in the spirit of Jesus. And he wrote some comments about his life and some reflections and listen to what he wrote. He said, I remember when character and ethics and morality were of prime importance in our world. I remember when the 10 commandments were widely taught and accepted and respected in our world as the spiritual laws of the universe. I remember as a boy, when I got a grade on my report card on my character at school, They still did that in Bossier Parish when I was in school. Anybody get character grades? See, we got a lot of hands there. 
I remember when that happened as well. I remember when integrity and honesty and goodness and virtue were highly valued and touted in our world. But now it seems that has been taken from us. And then he told a story about a young teenage girl who was in school and she got sent home because she got caught cheating on a test. And when she got home, her mother was trying to talk to her about that and the girl just blew up. She got angry, she yelled at her mother. She told her mother, leave me alone, you don't understand. Things are different now. Your old rules don't work in the world today. And we hear her outburst. And we wonder, is she right? Are these ancient guidelines of scripture that have guided humanity for thousands of years, do they still work today? Does the gospel of Jesus Christ and the way that we're called to live, does it work in our day and time today? And I want to say clearly, as we affirmed in that song what Pastor Todd and I believe, we believe that they work. The teachings of Holy Scripture endure forever. They're binding in every age, every generation. If you and I break the law of gravity, there's going to be a consequence to pay. We know that. And if we break the law of Holy Scripture, there will be a consequence to pay. That's why we need to have Sabbath. We remember God's law. We remember how we're called to live. And we align our lives with the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of Holy Scripture. That's why we need to recalibrate every time we Sabbath to vow to live better, to vow to let integrity and honesty and goodness and virtue be the standards by which we live. And then thirdly, we need to, if we recalibrate, let our lives shine brighter. Two scriptures that Paul illustrates for us I want us to see. First, words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And the second is taken from 1 Peter chapter 3. But in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an account of the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you're maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. What is Paul doing? He's letting his light shine. He said, look at my life, it points to Jesus. Jesus is the light that guides me. And then he's giving a ready defense of the gospel. In clear terms, he is living out and proclaiming what Nanette sang to us. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. In clear, simple ways, he explains who Jesus is and ways that people can understand. And then he makes it personal. He said, you know, I don't deserve this. I am the greatest sinner of all. I persecuted the church. And yet I was saved not by anything I've done, but by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. The grace of God that is with me. We need to learn from Paul. When you and I follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we need to be willing to share what we believe. We need to be open to share who Jesus is and make it personal how Jesus has affected us. We are called to be witnesses. We are called to pass on what we believe because every one of us has a story. Every one of us has an experience. Every one of us has a failure that can bless someone else and guide them to Jesus. Can we say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel? 
and live and share that in the world. You see, to be a witness doesn't mean that we have to have all the answers. None of us do. Does it mean that we're trained theologians? It means we share who Jesus is in our own words, in our own language, and we tell our story. We share often those words of theologian D.T. Niles, but I think they just capture the heart of how we're called to live. Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. You know, Todd shared it well for us. And I want to circle back to your words, Todd. We know what to do. We know who to be. But we remember to do it and be it. And the way that we do it is to honor the Sabbath, to rest, to remember, to recalibrate. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are not ashamed of the gospel. We are here affirming like Paul who you are, that you're our Lord and Savior and none of us deserve your grace, but out of your love and mercy you give it to us. And we live our lives pointing others to you. So Lord, help us be witnesses. Help us understand we have a story, we have a truth. There is someone in this world that we can touch that no one else can. So Lord, send us. And Lord, help us be people of the Sabbath, not only to rest, but also to remember. And as we come together, Lord, and measure our lives against yours, help us recalibrate, help us change how we act and how we think so that our lives align beautifully with yours because you have a job for us to do. You have a mission for us to do. May our lives proclaim that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and may we lay down our lives for you. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.